This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life, and that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline, a licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn. This is the show exclusive to the Blaze Radio Network where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles and love of American exceptionalism. How are you today? I hope you had a wonderful week. It was Valentine's Day this week, and I've got a special show for you today because I want to talk to you about a lot of things. I want to, I want to talk to you about Valentine's Day, but in a not in a lovey, romantic type of way. I want to talk to you about just something deeper, and um, which I think you'll enjoy. I want to talk to you. I want to continue our economic series where I, no opinions, just break down economic theory for you because I'm trying to help make the case for free market economics bit by bit. I don't want to, I don't think anyone would listen to 60 minutes of pure economic theory from me. So I'm I'm trying to break it up. So which I hope you're enjoying. And then I just want to talk to you. Um, I want to share about something that's happened in my life this week and just something that you might enjoy. But before we get there, we must talk about the news. So what do you want to talk about this week, America? Because I don't know about you, but I heard no news this week. I I didn't hear anything. I I didn't hear our liberal friends lose their mind on Twitter over the last week because apparently Iran um, had another rally and said debt to America. I definitely didn't hear our liberal friends blaming that all on Trump. I didn't hear this. I didn't hear it in the media. I didn't see it on social media. I didn't even see one meme that it was all Trump's fault. (coughs) Do you believe me? (laughs) Because last week, Debt to America was trending. And all the, the craziness of our liberal friends. I try and do this show in a way that's positive, that's uplifting, that we can try and get to a point where we can have a discussion. But the reason I do that is because I actually have some liberal friends, and they are very decent people, and they will discuss things with you. There's no name-calling. They call this stuff out, by the way. And the reason I always try and and, and do the show in such a way is because it's who I am, but because I don't see any advantage just to throwing everyone out, you know, throwing the baby out with the, the dishwater. I don't see any advantage to it. But the craziness of some of the far left has to stop. 
and I think it's up to us to call it out, but I also think it's up to my liberal friends. And I, I had a conversation this week, and I'm saying, here's the thing, you have to stand up to this. So last week, Debt to America is trending on Twitter. And guess what? It's all Donald Trump's fault. It's all Donald Trump. So in three weeks, Donald Trump has turned Iran from this freedom-loving country who loved America, who wanted no harm to anyone, who wanted peace, the peace in our time, into this evil nation who wants debt to America, all because in three weeks Donald Trump is president. It's like facts just have lost their reason. You know, it's times like this, honestly, and I never look to the past, I always look to the future, but it's times like this I really wish Ronald Reagan was back in the White House. Because can you imagine what his response would be? His response would be something along, hey, the Iranian government is an evil government. He'd probably call it the the next coming of the evil empire. Iran, sadly, is not a freedom-loving country. And what drives me out of my mind, and I know it drives you out of your mind as well, but when I see our friends on the left who who claim to be for, you know, feminism and women's rights and claim to be for gay people and, and claim to be for all these rights, and then they defend a government like Iran who doesn't have a freedom of the press, doesn't respect women, doesn't respect gay people, it's... We need to find a way to communicate with this that they're not a good country. I'd say that's actually not quite true. It's not that they're not a good country. Their government is really, really horrific. Their government supports sponsors terror. And the bottom line is the Iranian government as it is and the regime that it is, it's going to hate America regardless of who holds Congress or who holds the White House. Iran's stated goals are to end Satan and the little Satan. Spoiler alert, Satan and little Satan are America and Israel. Maybe that's why they hate them, because Israel is part of the equation. And the frightening thing is, is the response to this. I saw more outrage to a debt to America rally in Iran than I did to any ransom payment to Iran than I did to when I ran. Do you remember a couple of years ago when Obama was president? Remember, because apparently it's peacetime, so our liberal friends have forgotten this, but do you remember when they thought it'd be really cool, you know, let's just, you know, raise the morale of the Iranian people, and what we'll do is we'll we'll build a mock US ship, and then we'll bomb it and sink it off our coast. Just, you know, just for kicks and giggles. Because apparently that's not provocative at all. That's just, <laughs> that's just Iran, been Iran, John. They, that's just what they do. They don't mean any harm by it. They're not going to like, they're not thinking about like doing this to a real ship. They're just doing it for fun. Uh-huh. Then we get our lo- lovely liberal friend. And I think it's the first time I've ever discussed this lady, but I just have to address this because it's, um, honestly, it's unbelievable. Our liberal friend, Sally Cohn. Honestly, it's unbelievable. If you didn't see her tweet this week, it was priceless. So, because of the whole Michael Flynn thing, and I can't pronounce this guy's name, so I'm not going to pronounce it Putzer or something like that, the Labour Secretary. I haven't haven't heard anyone pronounce his name, so I can't pronounce it. Um, 
stepping not going forward for his vote because some bad things came out about him. So the Liberals have this, just the solutions now. They just have the solutions. And I quote from Sally Cohn, and we're just going to talk about this for a minute because I, I just think it's unbe- unbelievable. Sally Cohn, on the day after Valentine's Day at 2.21 in the afternoon, put out this tweet. Straightforward from here. One, impeach Trump and Pence. Two, constitutional crisis. Three, call special election. Four, Ryan versus Clinton. Five, President Clinton. Okay, so let me address this. And and first of all, because I love the Constitution, i got to deal with the constitutional aspect of it. Um, Sally, sweetheart, punkin. You can't impeach two people at the one time. So your plan stops at step one. If, and if, and I use the big word if, Trump does something impeachable, it goes to the House and the Senate, which the GOP have. And if they impeach him, guess what, Punkin? It's not a constitutional crisis. It's not a special election. And it's not Ryan versus Clinton. You have President Mike Pence. So that kind of, you know, scuttles your plan from the start. Because apparently it isn't straightforward. Because I know this is a, is, a, is a thing to say and it's a dirty word and a dirty phrase to use in America in 2017. But America has a constitution. And I know we only pay it lip service and we only just use it when we want to or, you know, when we when we want people to take it out on the DNC platform to go, oh, look, this there is this document, you know, this is what the right talks about. But secondly, how frightening is it? And this is why I'm, I'm using a team here, by the way. This is what my liberal friends have to stand up to. How frightening is it that you now have a journalist or I don't know what she is. She's a spokesperson, maybe she's not a journalist. Um, She's in the public eye. I've seen her on CNN, I think, a couple of times. Where a person from the left with a platform is openly calling for a constitutional crisis. So, just look at the extreme factions in America. On the left... You have people like Sally Cohen going, yeah, what we need is a constitutional crisis. And on the right, you have, because the right aren't blameless in this, by the way, you have members on the right who are, we need another revolution. Okay, let's deal with Sally Cohen, because that's what we're talking about. Can you tell me the last time a constitutional crisis worked out really well? Let's just take one in, in recent history, in the last, I don't know, under President Obama. Do you remember the constitutional crisis in Egypt? Do you remember what happened? Do you want me to give you a spoiler alert? The Muslim Brotherhood got power. Do you remember that those days? Remember that? Do you remember those old good old-fashioned days when we used to talk about the Arab Spring? How someone did not, on the side, or how someone did not call that a racist term or a slur in this world is unbelievable. But constitutional crises don't work out well. They don't end well. They usually end in what the right are calling for, and some parts, a revolution. That's usually what happens. And, and usually when you have a constitutional crisis 
gives an opportunity for really the worst of the worst to come to power. Like, you think Trump is bad on the left and, and the right thinks Clinton is bad? If you have a constitutional crisis, there's a chance someone a hell of a lot worse than you think Trump is and than the right think Hillary is of getting power. And the chances are they'll hate both sides. But then I love the whole, you know, let's call a special election and we'll have Paul Ryan versus Hillary Clinton and then, of course, you'll have President Clinton. It's very interesting the way that works in their mindset. That is the left today. And it's going to be interesting because here's the thing. Your country's in trouble. And the sad thing for me is on social media and in, in different places that you um, have people who are looking for a constitutional crisis or a revolution. I think that's something that both sides need to address. But don't worry. You know, if that wasn't enough to depress you, I'm just giving you the, the headlines. If that wasn't enough to depress you, you know our, you know, America's ally, you know, America's BFF, you know, the country America's never had any problems with. You know the country I'm talking about, right? Apparently they uh, had a spy ship located close to America's border this week. And there's nothing to worry about because they're an ally, they're BFFs. Uh, I I notice because I hear it in the news all the time. Um, they were just 30 miles from a major submarine base. But don't worry, they're, they're BFFs. BFFs spy on each other all the time. It's, it's it's what happens. Of course, the BFF I'm talking about is Russia. You know, the same Russia who 30 years ago, speaking of Ronald Reagan, was considered an evil empire. The same country and government that... America bankrupt in many ways. And last but not least, the story that made me just sing happy tunes all week. And there's a reason I'm leading with all these stories, by the way, because I want to talk to you about something deeper. I've been avoiding the news lately because, for the very reasons that I, you know, if it's not obvious from my tone and voice and some of the big stories... Yeah, I, I'm. I'm just can't get involved in the politics because on both sides, it's. I. I just can't. I. I. I struggle. I really do. But the one thing that really made me happy this week, and this always ends well, guarantee me. Don't read. Don't you know? I know. I say always trust. You know, question me and question everything I say. This I want you to never question. Just trust me on this one because it always ends well. It's always going to be ends well when a situation presents itself where you have a potential president who, and I quote, is a counterpuncher and a Federal Reserve who's setting up for war. Nothing makes me more happy than when the Federal Reserve and and a sitting president goes to war because it always ends well. And uh, trust me on this, don't, don't research it. It always ends well for the American people. So in case you don't know what I'm talking about this week, you know, it's amazing. The Fed does nothing under Obama. It's, it's so unbelievable. The Fed does nothing. Keeps interest rates 
artificially low, historically low, does nothing. In fact, that's not true. If they did nothing, I'd actually think they'd be better off. But they printed money. The printing presses went crazy. And now all of a sudden you have a a different president, not named Obama. And Donald Trump is in power and they want to raise interest rates. Because apparently if they don't raise interest rates, soon things are not going to go well for the American economy. They need to, quote, get ahead of the curve. Uh Uh-huh. It's going to be very interesting to see how this develops because I'm... It's going to be interesting because if Trump punches back against the Federal Reserve, the sad thing is, and maybe this is one thing some of our liberal friends can agree on now, and maybe you know you can use it to get some change, but the Federal Reserve is a nightmare. It's a horrific body. It has way too much power. The sad truth is, in many ways, if the Federal Reserve want to collapse the American economy, they can do it like that. Yes, I just click my fingers. Just like that. They can do it overnight. And cause so much hardship, pain and suffering and misery for the average American person. And if Trump punches back... I I don't know. It's going to be interesting because if he punches back, there's going to be a lot of pain and suffering. And he, his economy will collapse. The American economy will collapse. Um, If he doesn't, the Fed just gets more power. It's going to be, you know what? Oh, I'll say this. I will say this. And I'm going to finish up by saying this about the news of the day and the news of the week is if, if this wasn't so serious, Honestly, if this wasn't so serious and and I wasn't so emotionally invested and I know all you are emotionally invested and we're talking about the future of millions upon millions of people. Right now, the situation America's in would make a great movie. It really would make a great... It'd be, it'd be fun and games to watch it. Because let me tell you, your future's not boring. But all I hope since we're talking about movies, is that what we're in, we're in the phase of the movie right now where the bad guy's winning. You know, where the evil bad guy, and he's usually played by a British actor, you know, has got power and, you know, he's got, he's captured the girl. Because it's Valentine's week, we have to bring in romance to it somewhere, you know. He's captured the girl and he's forcing her to marry her and, the hero is down and is doubting himself and is hurt and is beat up and is doubting himself and thinking about giving up. But if this was a movie, we all know how it would end. The good guy would get his confidence back, get his injuries healed and would go and beat the ever-living crap out of the bad guy and get the girl and live happily ever after. I wonder if America will have be afforded that luxury. I hope so. I hope so. Because despite everything, I still see so much potential in you. I still see brighter days ahead for you. And I'm going to discuss more of that when I come back after this break. Don't go anywhere, America. I'll be right back. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. 
The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something, and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I, as always, I'm on social media. I'm on Twitter, at Freedom Disciple, singular. I'm on Facebook, at Freedom's Disciple, plural. Um, or also you can send me a friend request, Jonathan Dunn 58 I love getting involved and getting in touch with you, and I've had some very interesting dialogues this week. By the way, I don't know if, if there's some type of, cons- if you believe in conspiracies or not, but I have a small conspiracy to share with you. So... I would say about five days out of the week, the last month, I've been perfectly fine, healthy, totally okay. Every time I come on radio and and, and do interviews and I'm, I'm coming to talk to you, I always feel like I'm sniffling. And I'm all every. I wake up that morning going, okay, I have to do my show this today, and I have to record it, and I'm I'm ready to do all my show prep. And I wake up, and, and I always feel bad because I'm inhaling Vicks. And uh, another thing you sniff. And I always feel like, I don't know, just, it's a conspiracy. I'm fine every other day. It, there's this conspiracy. Everyone's out to get me. There's like a ball out to get me. That anytime I come behind the radio just to make you all think I'm, I don't know, unhealthy. Um, But anyway, that's just a, a side point. So this week was Valentine's week. And I got to be honest. I've never liked Valentine's Day. Um, as someone who's always been single on Valentine's Day and has never had one Valentine's Day with someone, <laughs> cue the sad music. Aww. Um, and also as someone who, you know, has said in the past, it was it's all commercial and, you know, it's if you're in a relationship with someone, you don't need Valentine's Day. You should treat them with love and respect every day, not just on Valentine's Day. But I have to say, I really enjoyed Valentine's Day this week online because there was actually some positivity and nice messages and there was pictures of couples together happy and it was it was a pleasure to be online for most of that day because it was positive. I saw some really nice things, not pure hatred. But that would, with that being said, I had an, a conversation with someone online, um, as I frequently do, and I got asked a question. And I thought, you know what? It's Valentine's week. And I got taught as a young person. You know what? There's never a bad time to tell a beautiful lady how beautiful she is. I got raised that way. There's never a bad time to tell a beautiful lady how beautiful she is or that you love her or that she's special. And because it's Valentine's week and because I got this question online... I said, you know what, it's a perfect time to address this question again. Because, America, you're a beautiful lady. And I love you. 
and there's never a bad time for me to share my feelings with you. See what I did there? So this question I got. I have a question for you, Jonathan. You say your dream is to become an American. Why? And please don't spout out Constitution this or Bill of Rights that because you have all the freedoms we have right now as a Canadian. Why America? So let me address that. I'm going to address it in a couple of different ways so you get the history of it. And in case you're only a new term listener, you might know too much about me personally and where my love of America comes from. But I want to take it in two different steps. I want to take it in America the country and America the idea. So I was very blessed as a young kid. Um, When I was a young kid, you know, travel wasn't the same as it is today where you just jump on a plane to America like I am next week to D.C., and you just jump on and it's not a big deal. Oh, John's going to D.C. It's, huh, John's going to D.C. Well done. When I was growing up, it was like, you're going to America. Or even to England. And England's only 90 miles off one of our coasts. If you said you were getting on a plane, it was like, wow. Really? I've never, I've never been on one. It was, it was an experience. But when I was young for many different reasons, I got to go over to my aunt in Florida. She lived in um, a town called Clearwater near Tampa, and we flew into Tampa Airport. And I fell in love the first time I went. It was just a different culture. I fell in love with, first of all, just put yourself in my situation. You know, you're going to fall in love right from the minute you see America. I come from a country that is not that warm, is raining, is miserable and cold. And you put me into Florida, where there's palm trees, where, you know, the I still remember to this day, getting off a British Airways flight, stepping outside onto the, you know, the stairs you got off, and just having this warm air hit me. I was like, what is this? This is something I've never experienced to this level before. And then the drive, you know, all the palm trees, the warm weather, the beautiful accents, the beautiful women helped. Um... I fell in love. I was like, this is, wow, this is just, what a country. Um, I remember the buffets, which is something we I'd never experienced before. So we'd go to church on a Sunday. And this is all cultural. You notice, this is all, you do this as a norm. But I remember going to, I think it was a place called Homer's. Um, and we'd go to church on the Sunday. And then afterwards, um, you went and you had a buffet. And it was just unbelievable. And you helped yourself. And you could have free refills. Um, it was beautiful and I fell in love and just the lifestyle and driving on different sides of the road the sports I, I got to watch different sports I got to watch different things it was just a whole cultural thing and I just fell in love and then we got to go back Um, we went back I think three or four times within a few year period and I just loved it and, and I just said this is where I want to live I, I love everything about America now you have to put in, this into the grain of salt I was a teenager I was young I was imp- I was impressionable um, I was seeing a different world completely different to how I act new and I just saw the way people acted and then I loved it and I went this is where I want to live then as I became because I worked from a very young age as well as going to school, I always had my own money in in a context. And then as I became a, 
a teenager and a young adult and I turned 17 and 18 I started traveling myself and started going to New York and seeing people and getting my own friends and getting involved um, going around, going to different places. I've been to, been blessed to travel to many different cities, and I fell in love with your people. Your people are just so nice, so kind, especially down south. Um, New Yorkers have an, a unique view to them, but they, I still love them um, when you get to know them. And I just fell in love. And then I had a pivot point. One of my biggest pivot points in 2007 was, I was always involved in politics. I loved it. But in 2007, uh, a certain president who was a Republican went on national television and I watched it and said, I have to destroy the free market to save the free market. And that opened a lot of doors for me because that just didn't sound right. So up until about 2007, I was in love with your country. My dream was to move over there, was to be successful, you know, was to help people. Um, my idea of the American dream was, you know, there is no glass ceiling in America. It doesn't matter where you come from. No one's going to look at you and say, you can't do things. It's a country of optimism. It's a country of, yeah, you can do things. Even back then I knew it. You know, over here, you'd find reasons not to, where you come from, your family, your background, your education. America just didn't seem to have any of that. It seemed to have this, you can do it. If you have an idea and you work hard, you can do it and you can be successful in America. Anyone can be successful in America. And, you know, I know this will upset some people, but I I do have a lot of liberal family and friends. Um, And they, they used to have a line that, you know, if you look at George Bush and you look at his drawl and, you know, you have this Texan, if a Texan like George Bush who's using the, again, you won't like this because it's not true, but they use this narrative that, you know, if, if George Bush, who's dumb as a box of rocks, Southerner, can be president, anything can happen in America. That was the culture I grew up in. And that was the way I saw things until 2007. Fast forward to 2007 and research and getting to listen to talk radio over here, researching technology became better. I started falling in love with America, the idea. I started falling in love with the Constitution. I started falling in love with principles. And not so much the America, the country, but America, that idea. What is it that makes that idea possible? What is it that says, you know what? You can achieve anything. Why did Emma Lazarus, you know, when she was writing for this about the Statue of Liberty, give me your tired, your weak, and your huddled masses? What, why, why is that important? And as I started really studying the Constitution, not just reading it and kind of going, yeah, these are a bunch of words. Why Why does it mean something? Why is it different? Why is America different? Why is America different to the rest of the world? And as I started researching this and, and learning about world history, you know, uh, you look at history, take any arbitrary point you want, but let's go back a long time. Go back to zero AD, the time of Christ. And let's take another arbitrary number, 1800s. Look at, you know, 0 AD to 1800. Why is there so little advancement by all the countries around the world? They still travel the same way. They still acted the same way. They still dug things with the same tools. The technology was the same. 
that it was zero. There was zero advancements. And any advancements were incredibly minor. Why is it that in the last 217 years, there has been a million times over the advancement over the previous 1800s? And that's because of America, because of that idea. That idea all starts that rights come from God. Oh, I offended someone. I'm sorry I didn't give you a trigger warning. Rights come from God. It changed America at its foundation. Whether you want to go back to the Constitution and the Bill of Rights been ratified in 1791, the Declaration of the Independence been signed on July 2nd, 1776, or you want to go all the way back to the 1600s with the Mayflower. America changed and was from its stay, day one was a different nation. It was a nation about freedom. It was about an in, a nation about the individual. And it's this idea that has fostered the ability for people to get upward mobility. It's a place where you can live and have a dream. It's a country and it's a culture that says you can do anything. But it's not a culture that's built on sand or man's law like every other nation is. Where a government can take it away at any time. It's a country built on God-given rights and responsibilities. I could talk for at length to answer this question. But the emotional investment I have in America is, it's, I'm not going to lie, it does start as that, that young, impressionable young boy stepping foot and seeing, oh my God, warm weather, palm trees, different sports, beautiful women, different accents. There is some of my love that's still tied up to that, that still sees America back the way it was in, I can't, I, ne- I can never find out the year. It's impossible to find out, not that I, I've tried, but all I know was Bush Senior was president. That's so give or take those three or four years. So you're talking 88 to 92. And it wouldn't be 88, probably be, I think it would have been about 1990, 91, 92 maybe. That era, that can-do spirit was still there and I fell in love with it. I suppose the biggest thing that I love about America as a country, not as an idea, but as a country, is your people and been the optimism you hold. You know, back those times, there was still that optimism. The Reagan optimism was still there. The hope. You know, you, you take me over here. And, that, you know, let me give you an example. Launching a podcast for The Blaze. People told me over here it would be a failure. I had a family member go, who the hell would listen to you? There's the negativity. Over in America, there's this positivity that says, yeah, why wouldn't you have a podcast? If Glenn Beck sees something, why wouldn't you have a podcast on the blaze? It's possible. Anything is possible. There's that optimism. You, You see things more positively than other countries that I'm used to. There's this positivity that you can do it. Then there's the facts and figures behind it. And this is just pure facts and figures. You look at the size of a house in America, you look at the size of a house in Europe, America's houses are bigger. 
You look at the lifestyle of Americans compared to the rest of the world, it's better. Last time I checked, these type of things would be considered good things, not bad things. You look at the opportunity. You look at just the amount of rags to riches stories you hear in America. You know these, you hear them all the time. The stories of, well, I grew up with absolutely nothing. You know, my parents were on food stamps. Then they struggled each week and day to feed us, to put food on the table. But now I'm a multimillionaire because I worked hard and I, I created this invention. You don't really hear those stories over here. Because there isn't the same drive, there isn't the same optimism, there isn't the same, oh, you're a poor disadvantaged kid. Yeah, of course you can be a millionaire and a billionaire. Of course you can. You you know, you're a poor kid who has nothing and you're going to have educational problems. You know, of course you can, you know, set up your own company. Over here we don't have it. Over here we have this culture where, you know, we'll help that person by make them, making them dependent on government. And holding them back. And saying, oh, you poor thing, you can't do anything, we must help you. You need our help. There's never a way to break the change between man and government. These are just some of the reasons I love America. I also love it because of your history. You know, I I, I get mad, and I know it doesn't go down. It depends on who's president and who I'm talking about. I get mad when I see people this America. My blood literally boils. You know, this America sucks crowd that's on both sides. You know, when Bernie Sanders goes and talks about America not being a compassionate nation, my blood boils. I don't care who it is. My blood boils. Same way last week when I discussed Donald Trump, you know, making a moral equivalent to Russia. My blood boils. My blood actually boils. I just want to, I actually want to shake the person going, are you serious? What part of history have you not read? Has America, is America perfect? No, absolutely not. Not by any stretch of the imagination. Has America made mistakes? Absolutely. If I was the all-seeing Wizard of Oz and all-knowing, if I could be a puppet master and change of America of America's decisions in the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 50, 100 years, would I? Absolutely. However, there's a reason I finished this show, and I say this all the time, there's a reason I finished the show the way I do. Because if you've heard nothing for the last hour plus, the last thing I want to leave you with is the Tocqueville. America is great because Americans are good. You've done so much through advancement, through technology, through medical advancements. You look at all the medication. You just look at all the diseases. Go, and don't take my word for it. I'm not going to give you any of them. Go to Google and look at all the diseases that people suffered from in the 1800s. And ask yourself if you ever heard of them. Or when was the last time you saw someone suffer with them? Look at the advancements in medications. That's your people. That's an individual person or collection of people going, I have this idea. I think I could cure this. I could cure this disease. Or have this idea. You know, even just look at war. I know this is not popular to talk about. You look, read about the Civil War and, and what people did. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to give you some homework to do if you want to find out just how much advancement has happened. Look at war 
and how they treated injured and wounded people during the Civil War. And look at the treatment they can get today. It's incredible. You look at the life expectancy of... um, well, I don't know what the politically correct word is. We we call them special needs people over here. Down syndromes. I have a couple of Down syndrome friends. One of my Down syndrome friends, I think, is approaching 60 soon. 60. Six, zero. 20 years ago, that wouldn't have been heard of. He probably would have seen 30. Maybe 40 if he was lucky. He's approaching 60. He's an incredible guy. He, he helps out in the army. He's a great, great guy. Got it. Did I just sound like Donald Trump there? <laughs> he's a great, great guy. He's 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 the best. <laughs> Sorry. You just look at all these advancements. Your people did these. You know, you look at all the metrics of who's the most charitable nation. America's historically number one. It's currently number two between behind Miramar, between time and donations. That is the country. That is the idea. Your people, all the missions you do. It's incredible. Your nation has changed the world, whether you like it or not. And for me, why wouldn't I want to be part of it? Why wouldn't I want to be part of the greatest nation on earth? Why wouldn't I want to be be part of a country that can say so many proudful things about itself? And not in a boastful way and, oh, look at me, how great I am. But in a way of the Statue of Liberty. Come follow me. This is the way to be. You, anybody can be America if you make the sacrifices and you have the right principles. God-given freedoms can happen to any country. But America will always be the first country to find them and to stand for them and to change the way our world works. So the question was, why is my dream to become an American? I would ask each and every person who doesn't share my views a question, but in reverse. Why wouldn't you dream to become an American? Why wouldn't you want to be part and play a small, small role in the country and the idea that is the United States of America? i got to take a quick break, America. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. miss Pat and Stu. Do you understand, as an audience, what we have to go through to do a show with him every day? I mean, in all seriousness. I've never heard anything as stupid as what you just said. I totally disagree with everything you've ever stood for. I'm not going to give that an eight. I'm going to give it an eight. The exact number you said I said was objectionable, I'm now going to repeat. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Before we continue, I, I do want to talk to you about an economic theory, um, just breaking it down. But before we continue, I just have to say one last thing because last segment I was talking about why wouldn't you want to be an American? 
I just want to make thing one thing that really annoys me is, and I see it on left and right today, more on the left than on the right, but it's starting to get into certain places on the right, the moderate GOP types. And this line of, well, we're all immigrants, you know. You know, anytime you talk about immigration reform or you, you talk about, you know, deportation or any of this stuff, it's, well, you know, we're all immigrants. We're a land of immigrants. No, you're not. No, you are not. I've had a dream for the best part of my life to be an American citizen. I've waited for the last 13 years. This is my 13th year working and trying to find a way over there. Working my butt off in many different ventures for free to try and get to a point where I can help your nation, but also that someone sees something in me and goes, I'm going to help John get over there. I have never had a dream to get over to me to America to be an immigrant. To go, well, well, I'm in the land of immigrants now. And I'm just an immigrant. No. I've had a lifelong dream to be an American citizen. To do things the right way. To follow the laws. To be a benefit to your society. But to be a citizen. Not an immigrant. And I find it highly insulting to people who go, well, we're just all immigrants, you know. No, you're a land of citizens. And it just annoys the hell out of me the way it's been betrayed. It's always been around on the left, but now it's starting to creep into the right. And it's annoying me. You are not a land of immigrants. You are a land of citizens. And people like me having the dr- don't have dreams to be an immigrant. We have a dream to be a citizen and to be a member of your society and your culture, to integrate into your culture, to be a benefit and to be of service. I just wanted to address that real quick because it's been annoying me for the last, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and it's starting to grow on the right. And I heard it the other day on... Who did, I can't remember who I heard it on, but it wasn't a liberal station. And I went, what? When is this line coming in on the right? But on to an economic theory that I want to share with you. And I'm doing this, and I hope you're finding of, of interest and of benefit, because I, I made a confession to you last year that one of the things I made a mistake in was I never thought I had to discuss free market economics with people. And I'm a big free markets guy. To show you how much of it I am, I'm, I am a nerd in this, by the way. I love it. Um, I'm traveling to DC next week, and I've, I've ju- I'm using technology. I'm starting to embrace it, and I've bought a book, an audible book um, of Milton Friedman and Hayek, and it's 16 hours long, and I can't wait. Now, other people will be going, you want to listen to a book about economics for 16 hours? Yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm like a giddy schoolchild. I know I'm un- unique. But what I'm trying to do with this, and I hope you appreciate it, and, and I hope I'm giving you plenty to think about, is I'm trying to break free market economics down into little principles and to get you to appreciate them, and or just to even, I might share stuff that you mightn't have thought of. Uh, and just in the hope that you might have a better appreciation why free markets change the world and and protectionist tariffs, government intervention doesn't work. 
And today I want to talk to you. It's not really economic theory I want to talk to you about today. I kind of just want to build upon the argument I made last week. And it's more marketing and behavioral research. Um, but it's important for the groundwork we're going to build in the future. So last week, if you missed last week's show, it's it's available anytime you want to listen to it. But there's a short segment as well about this. Is tariffs. No opinions, just the facts behind tariffs. And about how a person, and I gave you an example of a, of a family buying t- tortillas and what a tariff would do and, and the impact on a poor person on a, and on a rich person and what it does to the economy. But today I want to talk to you about just a theory and it's called the four P's of marketing. One of the things we need to do when we talk about economics is understand the first problem before you get to a free market versus a controlled economy is we need to change the narrative of how economics is discussed on all sides. Because economics, and especially free market economics, is about you, the individual. It's why I gave you those examples last week. It's why I said, hey, don't just look at this as a macro and, you know, X amount of money is spent here and in this department and this is what a tariff would do. Because economics is not about a collective. It's about you, the individual. It's what you do with your money. It's how you feel. It's what you, uh, how confident you feel. You know, should you save? Should you invest? Should you splurge or should you save? It's all about how you feel. It's an individual thing. Or the only collective that you can talk about is a family. Where you have like a, a family with kids and they, ha- they pool their income. And it's the household income. You can talk about a collective then, but they're still a collective individual. But economics is all about the individual or a family. So today I want to talk to you about why you spend money. There are principles behind and reasons behind you spend everything you do. Whether it's a a big purchase, a lifelong purchase like a house. Whether you purchase a car. Whether you purchase a holiday. Whether you purchase food. Even the cheapest piece of food you buy. Or the most irrelevant thing you buy in your house. I don't know. a, A plastic cup. There's a reason behind that purchase, and I want to talk to you about it now so that you understand it. So you might just understand why you do things. And this theory is called the four P's of marketing. And the four P's are price, product, promotion, place. So some of you, at different times in your purchasing, will buy things just purely because of price. It's, John, it's a cup. I don't care. It doesn't need fancy gadgets. It doesn't need to shine. All it is is a cup. I need it to hold coffee or tea and that I can put hot coffee and tea in it and drink from it. I don't care if it's aesthetically pleasing. I don't care how it feels on my hand. It's a cup. Get me the cheapest cup you can get. Okay, cool. Let's go. Or it's... A price thing, it's all I can afford. I can only, I want to go on holiday with my kids this year, but here's the thing. I can only afford so much for this holiday. So we can only go to these places. And you choose because of it. We might want to go to, I don't know, you might want to go to Disneyland in Florida. But guess what, you can't afford it. So you might have to go to your local Five Flags. That's economics. You're buying things because of price. And that drives a lot of our decisions in a good way or in a bad way because it's those two examples. It's, I don't care. Just buy the cheapest one possible. You know, you have this all the time with certain foods. It's salt. 
I don't need a brand name of salt. Salt is salt is salt. Just buy me the cheapest one. Or because you have to, you can't afford the expense of salt. The product. Companies like Apple are great at doing this, the product. You're buying it because it's the product. Because it's the it's the, the product, you know, I, I I love Apple. I just love it. I love I love my iPad. I'm very loyal to the product. You buy it because it, it tastes good. You know, I like Lay's chips over something else because Lay's are just the best. Or I like cheese doodles because they're just the best. I like this brand of milk. It's superior than the rest. So I buy it because of that. Or you buy it because, hey, guess what? It's the only product. You know, there is only this brand of salt. You know, It's salt. You don't have a, a, a massive collection of salt. You have this salt or you have no salt. So you buy it because it's the only product available. The promotion. Well, promotion can be, again, two items. It can be two reasons. You buy it because promotion, everyone always thinks of in a a buy one, get one free. So you're walking down the aisle and you need crisps or chips this week. And Lay's have this big display, two for $4. Well, you might buy Lay's where you normally would have brought a more brand because, you know, two packs for $4 is good value. You also have the aspect of, you know, you see this growing on, um, online where if you buy from us this month, if you buy a product, you get 10% off your next order. Or you get the other type of promotion, which is, hey, if you buy from us, um, we're going to donate a certain amount to charity. Um, I know one of the companies with the Blaze does that, and I can't remember their name. Frank Byrne is the CEO. Overstock. Some people might buy from Overstock, just as well it came to me, I would have been in trouble. Um you buy from Overstock and a certain proportion of the sales value goes to Mercury One Charity. People buy because of that. People also buy the promotion because of who's selling it or who's advertising it. So you, if you listen to Glenn on his radio show, people will listen to Glenn and people trust Glenn because he has that lifelong or you know, 5, 10, 20 year track record. So when Glenn says, hey, there's this product, you might want to check it out, whether it's from Goal Line or whether it's um, from Hero and the, the internet protection, they go, oh, Glenn is saying this and I kind of have a relationship with Glenn and he's, he, I listen to him every day and he's a trustworthy guy. I must check that out. It's a promotion. They go do it. And the last P is place. Hey, guess what? I would love to buy this product, but I can't get to it. I can't physically get to it. I can't, you know, it's... I, I'd love to buy, I don't know, this brand of cereal. But where I live, there's only a Walmart. And Walmart don't stock it. You have to go to a Kroger. And my choices are to buy this product... I can drive to the local Walmart and it's a couple of miles down the road. But if I wanted, it's like 50 miles to a Kroger. I'm only using these exa- as examples. So you, why would you do that? Unless you're really desperate for the product and need. So some people buy things in certain areas because it's all they have. Or you used to see this historically in... it's With the internet, 
place is not such a big thing anymore. But in the old days, you know, 20, 30 years ago, when towns used to be just towns and you'd go to the local convenience store rather than the big Kmart, Walmart, Target, Kroger places, um, place was a big thing. You know, if your local convenience store didn't have it in certain places, in certain rural areas, guess what? If your convenience store didn't have it, you didn't get it. These are the buying decisions which you make consciously or unconsciously each and every day with each and every purchase. It happens whether you're buying clothes, whether you're buying a holiday, a house, a car, or you're grocery shopping. You make your decisions based on one of these principles behind it. And there's also one other thing when I spoke about product, and this is the brand loyalty. And this is what people are striving for. And some of the companies that do this are the big companies. Apple do it, for example. And if you watch the human behavior behind people about an Apple product, it's unbelievable. I know, and I'm, I, by the way, I'm not judging you, I'm the exact same. You watch people who want Apple, they have this brand loyalty to Apple. Because Apple has 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 betrayed themselves and their marketing and their branding has been so incredibly done that you buy anything from Apple. You buy an iPad from Apple. You buy a, a watch from Apple. I don't have it, so I don't know. But you have this thing where if you look at the spec of like a, a MacBook and you're an average Dell, that's three or $400 cheaper. The Dell would probably be a higher spec, but it's not an Apple. It's a brand loyalty. It's the product. I want the Apple. Why? Because Apple says something about you. If you have an Apple computer, it, it's to them, to people, it says something about you. Same way with runners, trainers, sneakers, whatever you want to call them. I, I don't want the generic cheap ones. I want Nike. I want an Air Jordan. Do Air Jordans still exist? So I, I'm not hip, so I don't know. Um, but people have this. I want an Air Jordan. Or... I'm guessing it's Air LeBron now, or or ever whatever he is. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm destroying Nike's logo here, but you, you get my point. You know, you want these Air Jordans. That's what I wanted when I was a kid. Anyway, um, you have that brand loyalty. It's the product. It's what you want. These are the reasons. Whether you're two years old or 102 years old, no matter what you're buying, these are the principles behind your economic purchases: the price, the product the promotion, or the place. This is why you purchase. I would ask you just to think about it and just just, just think of that consciously. And even the next time you're doing your grocery shopping, just kind of go, huh, I buy that because it's price or I buy that because of the product. You'll, you'll, be, you'll, you'll change if you, if you want to have fun with yourself. Um, you'll be amazed when you actually realize this and you start thinking about this and you actually see, see the way you're influenced. You'll be influenced because, oh, I just buy that because it's the cheapest, it's the local generic brand, or I buy that because of the branding, because their products are better than them. And you'll find different things you'll splurge on. Um, it's it's human behavior. If you're interested, it's it's. if you want more information, drop me a message on Twitter, Freedom Disciple, or Facebook, Freedom's Disciple, and I'll talk to you about it. But I, when I started learning this years ago and then seeing how you shop, it's funny how you if you watch how you shop and what you purchase. So there'll be things you'll buy like salt, vinegar, milk, that you'll be kind of going, hmm, I don't really care. I just buy the local generic stuff. 
and you, you're, you're buying it because of your price. And then you have something like, and I'm going to use a personal example, like bread. There's only one brand of bread I buy. And if this one isn't available, there's only one other. If I hadn't buy those one of those two brands, I don't buy any bread. I don't like them. And if they, if honestly, the bread I'm loyal to, if you charge me, it's probably in the middle of the price range. Um, but if you charge more of it, I'd still buy it. That's the world we live in. And when you see how you're influenced and what you think, and then how you actually act, it's incredible. I just, it's something just to think about. But I'm building these chunks of knowledge for you, I hope, and I'm hoping, hoping to challenge you with these. Because over the next couple of months, I'm going to continue making a segment each week about economics. I want to teach you or talk to you about an economic principle that you mightn't have heard or that you might just have forgotten. And I hope you really appreciate it. i got to take one last quick break, America. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere because i got something i got to share with you that it might annoy you at the start, but I'm very interested to see what your opinion is when I, when I make out my reasoning. I'll be right back, America. Don't go anywhere. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline, a licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Before I share this this last thought with you for today, I just wanted to just make an announcement. Just want to give you some more information. So last week I told you I'm blessed to be attending CPAC next week and I'm going to be on Radio Row quite a lot. Um, I work with another com- company called Lanterns.Buzz. Check it out. I'm their... I have a fancy title. I'm a CCO, I think. I'm their head of radio. And if you're looking to get involved writing or research or wanting your own radio show, you have your own dreams, get in touch on social media or you can get contact me through my site, freedomsdisciple.com. We're looking for all talent levels, whether you have experience or whether you're newbie no experience just you have a dream we'll work with you and help you but next week we're on we're going to be covering CPAC we're giving you the I'm hoping the best coverage that you'll get anywhere we have a lot of exciting guests already lined up 
Um, I can't name any of them because we haven't got days and times confirmed. And But we have a lot of exciting guests, some big guests as well. But we're going to be on Radio Row and reporting, giving you analysis. So our coverage starts at 7 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. And we have a two-hour show, 7 to 9. You can catch our shows if you go look for Lanterns Radio Network on Spreaker.com. Or if you go to Facebook, we'll be also live on Facebook. And then we have nine hours of radio Thursday and Friday and seven hours of radio on Sun- on Saturday. So all at different times. So it's I think it's 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern, a breakfast show. Uh, radio Row 11 to 2 and then Radio Row 5 to 9 Eastern in the evening. So that's Thursday, Friday and Saturday. So we have a lot of coverage for you. Um, if you, I would really appreciate it if you consider checking us out at some of the times because we're going to have breakdown of CPAC. We're going to be talking about the news of the day. It's going to be live. So I'm really excited about live radio. I love it. I love live radio. It's so, it's it's intoxicating. But I'm going to be running that everything. So it will have a, a you'll have a standard behind it and there's going to be good conversations and we're going to have great interviews great coverage of all the speeches and it's going to be a fun fun event i can't wait to see the how cpac turns out this year i'm very excited to see so before we finish up today i just want to talk to you about one principle i I, and i don't know how to say this because i know people will take this the wrong way so i've been off on vacation this week and I've been spending some time in reflective thought and I've been thinking about this honestly for honestly since the election of Donald Trump and it's nothing to do with Donald Trump what it's to do with is I've heard some of the stuff the left has come out with and I just want to talk to you about a principle I love the constitution I think it is one of the greatest documents ever written I've in some ways call myself a constitutionalist um, even though I hate labels but it's an apt one I follow the constitution I believe in the constitution and I, I talk about things whether they're constitutional or not from you know on the issues of the day I love it my love of the constitution has not changed but as I've been listening to the left talk about the constitution and saying some things I've realised the Constitution isn't the most important document. Because I've listened to the left, and it's kind of like you've put a mirror in front of me and said, hey, this is what you used to talk like. Now, granted, I think my motives are different to a lot of the left in the media who are just using it as a political weapon today. My um, motives behind the, the Constitution and speaking about it and praising it and promoting it were real because I believe in it. And those will never change regardless of who's president. Jesus could be president and I'd still talk about the Constitution. And I've been deadly serious. The left only use it when it suits them and when it's politically expedient for them. If I have no doubt that lots in the media and some of our liberal friends would drop the Constitution like a hot potato if their Hillary Clinton was in power. Or they had what Sally Cohn wanted and got President Clinton or President someone from the left. They would not talk about the Constitution ever again until it suited them. But when I've listened to them talk, I've really felt you're missing something. Because all the Constitution is, is a set of rules. 
set of guidelines, a set of principles. I know people, I call it the Trilogy of Freedom because it actually is three documents. Declaration of Independence, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. I know people throw in the Bill of Rights with the Constitution, but it, it's, it is its own document. And as I was listening to them talk about the Constitution, the Constitution is incredibly important, don't get me wrong. My my feelings for the Constitution haven't changed. My feelings for other documents have. And when I was listening to them, and I've been off this week and I've been thinking about it, and I'm still thinking about it in my head, so I'd love your thoughts on this. You can't have a conversation about the Constitution and how important it is to America without the Declaration of Independence. In fact, dare I say it, and this is not meant as an insult, I know someone is going to take this as an insult, who's a friend of mine, but it's not meant as an insult. Dare I say it, in the idea of America, in the Trilogy of Freedom, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights, the Constitution is the third most important document in those three. I've grown... I've grown... I've always loved the Declaration of Independence. I've qu- I probably have quoted in, in t- nearly two years on this show. I've probably quoted the Declaration of Independence a hell of a lot more than the Constitution. But it's funny, I'd always consider myself a constitutionalist in some ways. And I think listening to the left just talk about the Constitution, they're not complete sentences. Because when, what is the Constitution? Article 1 power, Article 2 the legislative and the executive, Article 5, states, and convention of states. It's only a set of rules and guidelines. Those rules and guidelines mean nothing if you don't have a declaration of independence that said, all men are created equal and endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The declaration of independence sets everything up you don't probably don't have a constitution without the Declaration of Independence. And if you do have a constitution, it isn't the same one that we know and revere and love today. In fact, I don't think you have an America that we all love today if you don't have that Declaration of Independence. It's just something I've been, as I've been watching the left talk about the constitution, every time I've listened to them, I've kind of went, first of all, my blood has boiled. Because they've usually misquoted the Constitution or they've said things that are, oh, this is unconstitutional. Like Maxine Waters' impeachment. Look, Donald Trump hasn't done anything to be impeached yet. If and when he does, we can talk about it. But he hasn't done anything yet. So they're misquoting the Constitution, which annoys me. But when they're talking about it in a philosophical way, I always am screaming, you're missing the biggest part of it. You're missing the most important part, the pre, the, the predecessing document, the Declaration of Independence. You're missing the biggest part. And as I've been off this weekend doing some soul searching and reflecting and, and thinking of things to talk about, I wanted to bring this with you today because not in a, just to get you thinking. You know, is your love with the Constitution or is it with something deeper? And I, I think for me, I think maybe that's something we need to to, I'm going to continue thinking about it and see how we address it. But I think it's something that each of us needs to, to think about. How much of a constitutionalist are we? Are we more 
in line with the Declaration of Independence. Because for me, the Declaration of Independence, everything about it is in... Honestly, I know people don't like this today, but I can't think of anything more divinely inspired from written from a human hand than scriptures and the Declaration of Independence. I will also say the same about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, but your Declaration of Independence was first. It challenged the status quo. Even its layout, and I've said this so many times. My friend who asked the question, why do you love America? And you can't say about the Declaration of Independence. You know, there is there anything more American than building something? You know, every other revolution, always, you, every revolution in the world, if you've studied it, you'll know exactly what they were fighting against. They tell you they're very, very obvious. You know, the Irish Revolution, what was it about? We want Britain out. Okay, wonderful. Everyone can tell you in this world, walk down the street. Walk down the street and go, just stop a random stranger and go, what do you not like in this world? Everyone will tell you. I don't like this. The wealthy earn too much money. I don't like corruption. I don't like politicians. I don't like DC. I don't like Trump. By the way, on a side note, do you see they're still trying to moon his building in Chicago? Like, what is that going to achieve? Sorry, I thought that was hilarious. I'm like reading stories of people mooning Donald Trump's place in Chicago. I'm like, you morons, it's doing nothing. You're making a fool of yourself. Sorry, side point. But they'll tell you what they're against. I just told you I'm against mooning anyone. I'd be against mooning Obama. It, I think just it just doesn't add anything to your cause. Your founders were wonderful. Your founders were brilliant. You read the Declaration of Independence. How many words? I've never, I must actually count this. I'd say you have to read about 250 words, maybe even 300 words, before you find their first thing that they're against. You know, if other people are laying out your Declaration of Independence, it probably would have started, we're the people of America, here's our 27 deportations against the king, signed, the end, have a nice day. That's what it would have done. Your Declaration of Independence is wonderful. Because you're not just saying what you're against, you have that forethought to say, look, our revolution is against the British. We want the British out. But what we also want to do is be a nation that stands for something. Be a nation that is for principle, that challenges the status quo. You know, in 2017, can you imagine, just take a random country, it doesn't exist. Just take a country that all of a sudden is now going to be found out of a colony. They're just doing this little chunk of land. And they started, and within the first 50 words, they uttered a phrase, all men are created equal. In 2017, that would be still considered somewhat of a revolutionary thought. Because in Ireland, England, Europe, we have a class system. How can you believe in true equality when you have a class system? Well, I'm lower class and you're middle class and you're upper class. And the upper class looks down on the middle class and the middle class is looked down by the upper class but looks down on the lower class. How can you have equality then? And then say, well, I believe in we're all equal. No, you don't. You have a class system. In certain parts of the world, women are treated as second-class citizens. And that's, and that's at best. There are certain countries around the world where if a woman is raped and she's not backed up by two men and seven women, she's not been raped. 
That's not even a second-class citizen. That The women in those countries aspire to be a second-class citizen. That other phrase, all men are created equal, in 2017 would be somewhat revolutionary. And I mean actually mean it. Not just say, oh yeah, we all, we, we all believe in all men are created. Of course, we're all equal. I'm a politician, you're not. You're a serf, go do what I say. In 2017, that would be somewhat of a revolutionary saying. Your founders taught about it 241 years ago. 241 years ago. Your founders are writing that in a document. Imagine a country, that same country, founding its revolution today and saying, we believe certain rights come from God and it is government's job not to give rights but to protect those rights. That would be a revolutionary saying. What? Government doesn't give out rights? Where do you think that comes from? Do you think Ireland would ever say, well, you know what? Government doesn't give out rights. Government protects them. No, 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 no. They'd be saying, no, no, no. We give out rights. I'm the sugar daddy. Come, come on. Come on. I'm the government person. You come and I give you rights. I confer rights to you. That would be a revolutionary saying. 241 years ago, your founders wrote it down on a piece of document. This is why America is exceptional. Going back to the start of the show, bring it all full circle. This is why America is an exceptional nation. You have rights, you have a history of rights and been the first to give them. It's incredible. And I know there are some liberal people who will listen to what I'm saying and go, well, well John, you know, three-fifths of a person, the slavery. Look, there is no one on this show and there is no one on the blaze ever going to defend slavery. Ever. It was horrific. But here's the thing. You want to talk about slavery, then let's talk about it in the context of the world. Slavery is not just a recent thing. Slavery is a lifelong day, lifelong aversion and stain on this world. And it's not just a race thing either, by the way. Because people go, well, it's all about blacks and slavery. They're white slaves. There was Israeli slaves. There are sex slaves to this day. One of the companies I love is Operation Underground Railroad. And they did a rescue mission recently, and I think the youngest person they saved was six years old from the sex slave, sex trade. Six years old. Slavery is a blight on the history of this world, not just America. But everywhere, Ireland, England, Europe, Asia, Africa, there's no one ever going to defend it on this show. It's horrific and it must end. But it's still ongoing today. America is not a perfect nation and and honestly, if you did everything in your power, you still would not be a perfect nation. But you are an exceptional one. You have done more in 200 short years than the rest of the world combined in 2,000 years. The advancements you have made, it's incredible. 
the advancements you have made in technology that now allow an Irish person who is at least 6,000 miles away from you, I'm 6,000 miles away from the East Coast, I'm probably about 10,000 miles away from the West Coast, maybe more. I'm at least 6,000 miles away from you. I am five time zones away from you on the East Coast. And yet, with technology, with the advancement of technology and the internet, I can sit here, record this show, go onto a website. This is what I, I record my show on a platform called Audacity. And then I edit it and I do a few things to it and tidy it up. And then I go to a website called dropbox.com. And I upload four, five, five, six files for my producer in America. And it's instantaneous. I press a button and it takes, depending on the size of the file, it takes a couple of minutes to upload. And then it's up in the sky. And then at that same time, he can go onto his Dropbox account Go in and see, hey, John has just uploaded a load of files. And he can download them. That all can happen in the space of a couple of minutes. That is technology. That is incredible. That all happened because some American or somewhere, some person thought of innovating and making an idea and making the world a better place. There are so many reasons. I could talk I could talk to you for the next month about why America is an exceptional nation. And I'm going to. Because you have flaws, you have warts. But you are still a beautiful lady. You are still that shining city on a hill. It's not because of who's in the White House or not who's in Congress or who controls Congress. It's in spite of that. It's because of your people. It's because of your principles. And it's because of your history. I'll leave you with this thought. Earlier on, I shared that question. Why would I want to be an American? Why wouldn't you want to be? I can think of nothing I would rather do than do this show and be a mouthpiece for America as an American saying, these are now my principles. These are now my shared common views and principles and beliefs. The Constitution is my Constitution. I am now an American citizen. I can talk to you because it's part mine. I have a shared value. It's the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. I have a shared history. I am now an American citizen. I can share that with everyone. What better honor for someone like me to have? I can't do that. I have to talk to you about your principles, your values, your Constitution, your history, your greatness, your exceptionalism. I just want part of it because it's yours. And I can think of nothing more aspirational or great than to be part of it. And to say it's now part mine. And to add my little name and my service to passing it on to future generations. I hope this show has made you think, America. I hope it's given you some pause for thought. As always, we finish today's show the way we finish every show. By saluting the real heroes in society your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and yes, your vets. The men and women who stand for freedom and who make the ultimate sacrifice 24-7. And lastly, if you've heard nothing I've said for the last hour and it's gone in one ear and out the other, please just remember this. America is great because Americans, and I mean you, yes, you who are listening, Americans are good. Until next week, America... 
Don't forget, CPAC Radio Row, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for Lanterns.Buzz. And until next week, America, Godspeed and God bless America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.